0: Hi guys and welcome to episode 10 of Diary of Security Consultants, uh, the show where we talk all things uh, security industry, security consultancy and particularly the Irish security industry. So we have made it to episode 10, 10 episodes in 11 weeks um, and we are in week 3 of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic or whatever you'd like to uh, refer to. We are at a stage now where we are doing most of our office work from, from home where we can uh, and then on the road where we can and supporting clients. So this week we had some work with some um, supply chain management, uh, securing medical supplies for some of our clients, uh, dropping them to and from uh, secure storage and getting into people where they had donated to health services and stuff like that, uh, care homes, getting into people who needed them the, the most. And it's been a real challenge trying to source that stuff this week. Uh, we've been delivering some webinars for tutors um, and answering what, I think at the last count in the last week, uh, 110 to 120 questions on social media with regard to licences and license types and stuff like that that we'll do. Um, the Irish uh, security regulator, the PSA, the Private Security Authority, uh, in the last week decided to uh, relax the training requirements for security people entering the static security industry. Uh, now on a moral or professional level you can agree or disagree with that, I, I, I personally I don't agree with it but I can see the need for it, the need to get new people in and the training companies cannot train at the moment. Um, so i can see why it is uh, but just the the amount of questions having come through uh in the last week has been absolutely huge so i'll talk uh, a little bit about that the license types what you need and where you need to work uh, in the next couple of minutes so for today there's a couple of topics i want to talk about uh firstly with the article this week uh that we that i wrote this week uh, for the blog which was advice on retail security companies dealing with shoplifters, potential shoplifters during this COVID-19 crisis and the risk assessment and hygiene requirements to go with that. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit on the types of license and where they do and don't work for for the foreseeable future. Um, Some advice on on hygiene, I've got a significant number of questions on things like uh, face masks, gloves and stuff like that for security operas, what they should and should not be wearing and where they should and should not be wearing them. Little bit on online courses. Uh, I've been doing a good bit myself this week on online courses and CPD and stuff like that. Uh, so a little bit on that. Uh, I put a resource up this week, which I'll talk to you about. Uh, and then a, a very good LinkedIn Live or podcast that I did this week that I'm gonna refer people to. And I'll talk to you a little bit about what we've done, and uh, what we have coming up next week, I suppose. So first, I suppose, our, our blog topic of last week was um, retail arrest procedure, particularly in light of the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that we're going through now. I got some questions around, um, should I be wearing gloves when I'm arresting shoplifters? Should I be wearing a face mask when I'm arresting shoplifters? Um, should I make them sanitize their hands? Can I ask them if they have a, a, a disease or an illness or whatever the case may be? And All of my answers came back to the, to the same core question, which was, uh, why are you arresting shoplifters? Uh, I think from a, a risk assessment, from a company's point of view, if you're, if you're looking at it from a risk point of view, to develop a risk assessment for this, I don't think there is any, I find it very difficult, I won't say there, I don't think there is, I would find it very difficult to see how a company could risk assess arresting, detaining, and bringing shoplifters back into a store as a safe activity for their employees uh, in the current climate. I think that in light of the hygiene risk, in light of the transmissible disease risk, in light of the always present uh, risk of violence, uh, in light of the control measures that governments are suggesting, uh, things like maintaining social distance, um, staying in open spaces, stuff like that. I don't think it's a, a, a. I don't think there's many control measures that you can put in place. So my advice to to retail uh, security officers and in particular to retail security companies was uh, not to be focusing on arrest, to be focusing far more on deterrence, on uh, keeping people out of the stores, and uh, refusing entry, uh, things like that, rather than dealing with it when it becomes uh, an issue later on in the. Uh, in the interaction i suppose um things like store detectives i don't think there's any place for store detectives in the current crisis because they are just purely there for detection making your security staff much more overt putting greeters at the door to deter known uh, troublemakers queue uh, control outside of the door making sure there's a minimal amount of people in so it's easy for your inside staff to watch the the people but certainly i would say that arrest is a very last resort and even in that arrest uh, process i would be saying that best course of action is to detain and recover outside of the store where you have an open space. I think it's very hard to risk assess against bringing somebody in the current climate uh, with the risk of physical contact to get them back inside the store and then bringing them into an enclosed space where you're more than likely for a police response in the current uh, climate you're more than likely talking anywhere between 90 to, to uh, 120 minutes. The chances of them being prosecuted for that offence are quite minimal in the foreseeable future. at that point in irish legislation anyway the statute of limitations is going to kick in so the chances of you getting a charge brought within six months with the way the current climate is 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 pretty minimal anyway so i think your best your best bet is firstly in in line of deterrence and secondly in line of recovery i think for security officers an important thing is to make your your management aware of that but as well as for security companies i think that the prime space in there is in communicating now with their clients and saying look our approach to this is going to be this. We will not be arresting shoplifters for the foreseeable future. We will be turning people away. We'll be using deterrence. And I think that this is going to bring out, I wrote an article about, about a year ago about how we need to change our approach to retail security anyway, to a more deterrence-based uh, approach rather than arrest based approach, based purely on risk and risk assessment. Um, and I think that I suppose this pandemic is going to, to help bring about that change, I suppose. It's gonna change an awful lot of industries anyway, but I think the retail security industry is one that's going to be very much changed because risk now is, uh, is, is being seen. The actual risk uh, of these type of activities is being seen. Uh, I would also say from a, from a risk assessment point of view, all those control measures like your PPE, your gloves and your masks and stuff like that, they're, they're an afterthought to things like policy, procedure, getting your safe systems or work in place, having the correct level of supervision, having the correct staffing levels. They are much more important than providing a person with a pair of disposable gloves to stop a, a, a shoplifter. Uh, so that was the article of the week. Uh, I undertook then to write um, a risk assessment, a sample risk assessment uh, for uh, one of my clients uh, who runs a small security company who is giving staff uh, that he could give to his clients to explain his actions. Uh, I have that available. If any security company out there would like a copy of that risk assessment, just give us a, an email, uh, info at securityoperative.ie, uh, and we'll get it straight straight across to you. Uh, if there's a high enough demand, I'll stick it up on the website for people to get, uh, but obviously I don't want to just put up on the website and give it out without some of the company and, and background, I suppose, information to go with it. So if there are any small security companies out there uh, who need a risk assessment to justify this to their clients, feel free to get in touch. It's there, it's available, it's free, there's no charge for it. I'm not going to make it available to security officers for the simple reason is that I don't want to put a risk assessment in circulation that contradicts your employers because even if your employer's one you don't agree with, it's still the one that you must uh, abide by. So I'm not going to make it available to individual security officers, but companies, managers, supervisors who want it, absolutely get in touch. Uh, For the larger security companies who have their own internal environmental health and safety teams or safety managers or safety reps, I would strongly advise that you look at your risk assessment for carrying out arrests, or for dealing with shoplifters or tests in the current um, environment. So topic number two was on types of license and the number of questions that I've been getting uh, in the last couple of weeks on types of license and where you can and can't work. So the background to this is like I said, in Ireland in the last week or two, uh, the regulator who is the private security authority as relaxed the requirements for training in the private security industry particularly in the static guarding industry so basically what they've said is that the general approach uh, in Ireland is that there are two types of security license for frontline officers in general uh, two main types there are other subtypes there is the static guarding license which covers you to work as a security guard so that covers places like shops shopping centers factories warehouses um, hospitals uh, static sites construction uh, corporate security anywhere you'd associate with your typical security guard and then you have your door supervisor license which is uh, any place where you're going to work which is a license for the sale of alcohol or food on the premises uh, or where you're likely to interact with a high level of people uh, under the influence of alcohol or food on the premises you're talking about bars nightclubs hotel bars uh, restaurants fast food takeaways, um, even to the extent of barriers at concerts and events and stuff like that. Now, that sector for effectively the next probably three months in Ireland is, is finished. There, there is very few places. You might be lucky and you might be working in-house directly for a hotel and they're keeping you there for guests where the vast majority of hotels even now are closed down. So the static gardening industry, generally to get into either of those, you do either a five or, five or six day course to do your door and your gardening uh, training course and you apply for those licenses. A lot of people, a significant amount of people have applied for both licences. But there's also a large chunk that just would have applied for a single licence. So the static guarding industry was saying, look, because the training companies cannot bring people into a classroom, and because the licensing authority won't allow online or live webinar-based training, then we can't get new people into the industry. So the regulator has, however they came to this decision, decided to allow people to apply for licences without the required training. Now, from a professional point of view, it is ridiculous because you're going to have people coming in with no, no training, working alongside, getting paid the same rates as people with training. You're going to have untrained people. Now, what they have said is that the, the, the security contractor who hires them must give them one day's training to get them up to speed, and they must complete the, the full qualifying training course for licensing within three months. Now, again, there's a couple of issues there. One, if the training providers can't bring people into a classroom, how can the companies? And two, People who are out of work in other sectors like retail and bars and stuff like that are going to get into the industry, do three months work without training, and get out when their own workplace opens up again. So, but look, the decision is made. I absolutely see why they needed to make the decision. From a professional level, I don't agree with it, but from a business level, you can absolutely see why they needed to get people into it. Some of the suggestions that have been made that, that I would agree with was that you've got a significant chunk 7,000 odd people in the industry with door supervisor licenses. Who've done within reason the same training courses, the guys with the static security licenses, but aren't allowed to work in a static security capacity for the next couple of months. Uh, and there's advantages and disadvantages to that as well. Um, <clears throat> some people are saying because of the subsidy that the government has put in place, there's no incentive for those people to come across. Absolutely, you know, you will have those few people, but there are also a cohort of people that could have been used. Uh, so the questions I'll be getting is around things like where can I work with this license? I have a uh, I have a door license, can I work here? I have a, you know, What I would be saying to people who have a door license and no static license, apply for the static security license. Uh, there are companies out there who will fund it. Apply for it. You don't have to do any training. It'll be fast-tracked for you. Your company can get you fast-tracked and you'll be straight into static work and you can work and you'll have that license for the next three years. For those people who have no license, same thing, apply. Do your day's training, get in, but please go back and do the training course because you're going to put yourself or other people at risk. Other questions I've been getting is around things like, uh, we have a vacancy for queue management outside the front of uh, a supermarket, managing queues or whatever the case might be. Uh, And that's a predominant, that's really where the thing is. Queue management is crowd safety. It does not fall under the remit of licensing. You do not need a license for it. It is stewarding of crowd safety. It's outside the realm of licensing. There's pros and cons with that. Pros, you do not need a license. Your staff do not need to be licensed. Cons, you cannot access control, tell people they can't go somewhere, tell people they can't do anything. You are just managing a queue. The other con is you don't fall under the employment regulatory order for the security industry. So there's no obligation on them to pay you the 1165 rate. I can see some companies doing the right thing. They are paying people the 1165 and some companies have seen advertised going up to 13. On social media, there's been a, a real, I suppose, i suppose or, or, or backlash and that people saying all oh, people should get 13 14 15. i can understand from both sides of you points of view just supply and demand just extra risk extra hazard look the reality is we sign up for risk and hazard our job as security is to manage risk and hazard giving a person more money does not make them manage risk better you know that's that's my opinion is it a more risky role absolutely it is can some companies afford to pay more? Absolutely, they can. But the reality for security companies I see on the other side is they cannot just turn around to their client in a time of need and say we are now going to charge you more. You know, uh, that's not the way the business world works. Uh, so I can see from both sides. Look, the goal has got to be for the next couple of weeks to keep society safe. Afterwards, we can deal with the the issues around should it have happened, shouldn't it have happened. Getting these people upskilled and trained. Uh, and obviously we're there and I'm there to help anyone who wants to get up skilled and trained, anybody, any small security companies out there, get in touch, I can put you in touch with people who can help you with that day's training uh, in, di- in different ways and stuff like that because operationally I know everybody's strained at the minute uh, but I suppose the goal is to get society through this as safe as we can and security industry has a big part to play in that and bitching and moaning about money, now is not the time for us. We just need to get through this and let's deal with this afterwards then, you know? Uh, Next topic, advice on hygiene. Probably the next biggest question I've got around things like, um, I'm wearing a mask and gloves and my employer is refusing to supply me. I'm working in this factory and we haven't been given any additional M95 masks or whatever the the case might be. And for me, it comes back to risk, risk, risk. What is your actual risk? You said, I could pick up this virus because I don't have a surgical mask. The surgical mask does very little to stop you picking up the virus. Uh, or they won't give me disposable gloves. Disposable gloves are an aid. They do very little to stop you picking up the virus if you're not using them correctly. What the medical professionals are saying, and from my own experience, and I have a little bit of medical training, uh, and a lot of risk management training, is washing your hands, sanitizing, and maintaining social distance. I need three control measures. Using a pair of disposable gloves, and then not changing them after every single interaction, does nothing to stop you transmitting the virus. Using a pair of disposable gloves and touching your face with a disposable glove does nothing to stop you picking up the virus. Wearing surgical mask and using dirty hands to put it on and off does nothing to stop you picking up the virus. In clinical risk-assessed environments, medical, healthcare, where you're dealing with symptomatic patients, absolutely, there's additional control measures, test centers, hospitals, stuff like that, you know, but for the vast majority of security industries hand sanitizing hand washing and social distancing is what you need uh, one of the things that, that I picked up uh, back different environment uh, different pandemic that we're dealing with uh, on my phone set my alarms for the day uh, set it to go off set a reminder to go off every 20 minutes beep 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 hand sanitizer have my hand sanitizer in the pocket put it on clean Every third one, beep, 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 wash the hands. Go off hot water, soap the antibacterial things, wash your hands properly, there's loads of tutorials on there. If you do need to wear gloves, they are disposable gloves. So I would say in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start hitting shortages of those around the place. So a security person changing gloves and constantly using gloves is using up a supply for people who may really need them and is doing very little to protect the security person, if I'm honest. Um so, Risk assessment, look at the actual risk. Do you need to be wearing gloves? If you do need to be wearing gloves, then you need to be changing those gloves. And bear in mind that that is a drain on resources. I'm not saying don't do it. If it's needed, absolutely do it. Same thing with masks, but doing your proper hygiene procedures, hand sanitizing, hand washing, and maintaining social distance are the four key control measures uh, for it. Not anything else. Uh, So as I said, I picked up setting the timers on my phone to remind me every 20 minutes, sanitize your hands every hour every third time every hour going and wash your hands um, maintaining that social distance uh, where you can uh, and doing things to, to help you with that using barriers queue systems wherever you can uh, obstacles to help you uh, support that as you're as you're uh, doing your work or doing your doing your patrols uh, otherwise there's no point in putting in place ppe on the hierarchy of risk management ppe comes very very low you know we're trying to eliminate reduce or isolate or control the risk before we get to using uh, PPE, you know, so we're trying to eliminate the risk, not being in work, reduce the risk, social distancing, isolating the risk, social distancing, and control the risk, hand washing, stuff like that. Before we get down to the, the, the PPE. PPE uh, is the last line of last line of defence. And if it's not needed, if the other stuff isn't in place about the PPE is a waste of time. Uh, it's not going to work, you know, because you're going to be wearing the same gloves, transmitting germs or, or if the virus is, is present in your workplace uh, and if you're going to be touching your face with those disposable clothes or taking on and off the mask it's a glimitted thing. Where it's been clinically risk assessed by your employer or by a, a healthcare professional, absolutely use it. But otherwise you really need to think about what's the most adequate control measures uh, that I can put in place that manages the risk. Uh, Next topic, online courses. I think this is a brilliant time for people at the minute to start looking at their own education. I've set myself my own goal of doing some kind of education or every single day. Uh, I've probably done in the last two weeks maybe five to six um, online courses of different things. Some I've done before, but it's always good to, to refresh. There's no such thing as bad learning. Uh, the World Health Organization has got two fantastic uh, online courses that I've done. One is uh, country readiness and preparation for the pandemic and the other one is infection uh, control. Um, Alison, the online learning platforms has got some fantastic um, COVID-19 training courses and infection control training courses. Uh, FEMA, uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, if I'm getting that right, in the States, has a big long list of security related courses, Absolute fantastic courses. Um, in Ireland then I've done the health and safety uh, refresher courses on the health and safety authority site the child protection, I have updated my child protection training, uh, I've done some online marketing courses for my own business, and I've looked at them, IT security, cyber security programs and stuff like that. There are some really, really good uh, programs out there. Uh, but as a, in addition to programs, doing your, your LinkedIn Lives, doing your uh, webinars, going online, just informative videos, just, just getting good, positive stuff into your head, which I think is important uh, when people are struggling, either with overworking or not being working, I think it's it's good to get positive knowledge into your into your head that you can use them because the, the word's going to bounce back from this that's, that's the reality and you putting yourself in the best place in the best frame of mind when it does bounce back for that i think is quite uh, important so what i did was i uh, put together a re- list of free a two-pager or uh, free uh, online training courses available in ireland and worldwide i put them in a pdf and i put them on the resource pages of our website uh, securityopative.ie on the resource pages you'll see a tab uh, it says free online training courses. If you click there, the PDF is there with all of the links to all of the training courses. Uh, one that I just did or uh, in the process of doing at the moment, which is a really good one by a friend of mine, um, former colleague, uh, Justin. Listen, uh, he's got a really good cybersecurity basic awareness training program that he's got on his website. Uh, I'll link it uh, in, the, in the show notes to this video. Uh, highly recommend to take a look at it if cyber security is your, your thing or even if you have an interest in it. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, <clears throat> gentlemen in Scotland, uh, really real top level professional from what I've seen, him, a guy called Scott Taylor is running a series of LinkedIn live videos. Uh, I tuned into one the other day which is on the, the training gap in the security industry. He does one or two a week. Uh, go online, connect to them, you'll see when they pop up. They're fantastic um, inf- uh, source of information, even though it's Australian based it has Applicability all over the world. Uh, he also plans to do a podcast, which is fantastic. Going on and listen to industry-specific uh, podcasts is a, is a really good one. Uh, I see that Dowel Development Rope were back with a podcast last week or the week before. Really, really good one. Uh, Conversations in Close Protection have a pandemic preparation podcast coming out this week. Really, really good podcast as well to listen to. But getting the right knowledge into your head, I suppose, um, is is important. Uh, and then we move on to kind of next week, I suppose. Next week, what we have coming up. Uh, The shop we relaunched this week on the site, uh, in terms of documents and stuff that we have available. I asked people what else they would like to see available on that site. Uh, People have come back to me with some some good ideas around things like uh, policies and procedures and examples that they'd like to see up there for sale. Now, I have got stuff up there for sale for the general public at the cheapest price I can make it, but I'm not trying to sell it. If there is a small operators out there who are stuck for stuff and they need it in a hurry, Just get in touch, I'm absolutely happy to help you. The templates that I have up there are templates that are gonna require a bit of work for you to work at your own thing. But if you are stuck for something, please, please, please get in touch and I'll help you out. Uh, Sorry, just on that last point as well, uh, one thing I signed up for last night, a gentleman in Ireland um, by the name of Terry Conlon, a security consultant here in Ireland, is running a webinar on retail security resilience in the next couple of weeks. So if you connect with him on LinkedIn and sign up for his webinar, it looks a really interesting webinar. Um, if you want to sign up for that uh, 2 or 3 hour webinar on a, mo- of a morning uh, well worth listening into if you're in the retail security industry working at a supervisory management level even or are a retailer uh, yourself uh, last thing I want to talk about the nightclub security manual we've had it out for what year and a half now something like that what i have decided to do um in the back end of my website for clients we've always had a a system where we've had videos and webinars explaining various sections of the of the manual on how to write your policies and procedures what i'm going to do is i'm going to make that available publicly uh most of it will be free some of it will be you know you want to buy a version of the webinar version of the manual but i'm going to start releasing these webinars and powerpoint presentations over the next couple of weeks bit by bit um i'm going to start next week uh, the most of them are recorded. Some of them I do need to record. It'll be a combination of uh, interactive PDFs, webinars, and um, e-learning um, programs. Uh, certain modules. It's it's not a training course by any stretch of the You're not getting a cert learn. But if you're writing policy and procedures, they're just very informative webinars. So there's going to be a full version of the manual in in like an online version. Uh, me talking you through how to write your your security manual, and then there'll be well, there's little snippets that are that are released over. So that's. That's what's coming up uh, this week, I suppose. Um, we're using various systems, uh, voice over PowerPoint, things like Zoom and stuff like that that we, that we use to um, bring it out. Stuff that I would have traditionally used for things like cascade briefings and stuff like that. Now, I suppose every education company, I suppose, in the country is using, but even security consultants, you have to start leveraging technology to make it work. Uh, the technology is there and we only use a fraction. Like th- this week, uh, I think I was letting people know, Uh, I put up on Instagram, I was checking and rechecking all my medical equipment and kits and restocking the kits and expiry dates. And uh, I I use an app, I think I've spoken about before. I'm gonna do an actual full program on this app. I think it's a brilliant app called iAuditor from Safety Culture. It basically allows you to do things like risk assessments, security reviews, um, risk reviews, uh, inventory checklists, stuff like that, uh, all in their app. It's a fantastic app. I basically have all my stuff, I have an asset register, everything within the company, an inventory check, so I have my medical inventory check, go through everything, all the expiry dates are listed, you update them, you print a report, and you have it there, you know? So at all times, I know what's available to me. Um, But leveraging that technology, this week I was completing um, Overdue, uh, where I couldn't get out the client sites. You send them the online thing, ask them to self audit, return it to you, and you give them advice on control measures, you know? Um, So leveraging the technologies out there to keep your business running. Things like Zoom have helped that. Uh, I auditor, like I said, there's all sorts of other technology out there that's enabling people, but don't be afraid to try the technology as well I'm trying to say. As a security consultant, if you're not moving with, with technology, you're dead. As a security company, as you're not moving, if you're not moving with technology, you're dead. Uh, so that's all for me for this week. I'll be back next week uh, with another one. If you need to get in touch, like I said, info at securityoperative.ie as uh, the email address, you can go on the website www.securityoperative.ie, That's where the videos and the blog posts go out every week. Uh, and you can have a look at our resources pages on there as well. Uh, you can get in touch with on, us on Facebook, Security Operative, uh, on LinkedIn, Security Operative Consultancy Services, and on Instagram, Security Operative Consultancy Services. Anywhere you want to get in touch, uh, just reach out. Happy to help. Until next week, stay safe out there, and I'll see you in a week.